Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Good morning, Al. You join us on this Monday morning, Minister. A lot going on at the moment, but one of the banner headlines on the front page of the paper today is a vehicle theft epidemic as violent carjacking surge. Now, this is on the front page of the Irish Independent. And down, reading down through Ken Foy's report, there's even an incident that occurred a Wexer woman where her car was taken by three thugs, apparently, uh, brandishing baseball bats. No, I mean, it's, it's it's absolutely outrageous that anybody believes that they can get away with this kind of um, violent and intimidating activity and it absolutely deserves to be condemned. <clears throat> My thoughts are obviously with anybody who has to suffer and face that type of situation. I think what we're doing in the Department of Justice in terms of trying to tackle this type of issue is we're now going to increase the sentencing for assault causing harm from seven from sorry from five years up to ten years and that marked a very significant uh, seriousness of this type of situation. So it is we're also this year put across uh, significant funding to dramatically increase the number of Garda Shia Kona. So we'll be recruiting and already started to recruit a thousand additional Gardaí this year and also start a new recruitment campaign. I would certainly encourage anybody who is interested in joining the Gardaí to respond to that recruitment campaign so we'll increase the number of Gardaí next year as well. And in addition to that, hiring another 400 uh, civilian uh, Garda staff, which allows to free up Gardaí from, if you like, administrative and office work back onto the front line. So I think we we'll see a significant change in the number of Gardaí on our streets over the coming uh, 24 months to tackle this type of reprehensible behaviour. And I do believe that the Gardaí managed to uh, reacquire the car that was taken from the woman here in North Wexford. Um, but, I mean, it, it is at uh, the scale, according to Ken Foy's article, uh, 1,300 vehicles were stolen across the country up to the end of March, while 33 hijackings or attempted hijacking incidents have taken place. That would be very worrying, wouldn't it? No, it absolutely would be very worrying. And crime does tend to have trends where certain types of crime tends to maybe go up um, for a certain period. And the Garda Shiacona and the Garda Commissioner will always respond in a very dynamic way to changing crime activity. And in those, these types of circumstances, we'll put additional Garda in to deal with these types of events. We'll put in um, new uh, Garda-type programs to target them as well. And as I say, to respond as, as criminals change, the Garda change and respond in a dynamic manner to tackle these types of criminals because they're, they're simply totally unacceptable behaviour. Um, it, you know, it's, it's outrageous behaviour and, and needs to be tackled and will be tackled. Yeah, and the other aspect of this minister is the uh, the trauma from anyone who goes through something like this. They would definitely need some form of counselling, wouldn't they? Absolutely. The trauma can be quite significant and we see that as well when someone has their house broken in. You know, the initial damage is a major concern, obviously, and but it's the, it's the mental impact on, on victims is very, very serious. And there are a number of support groups out there as well who advocate for victims and provide help and support. And I, I would ask anyone who needs that kind of help to uh, certainly go online and, and look for for the contact details for those types of groups. I've spoken at a number of their events as well. So there are supports out there uh, and I would suggest people reach out or contact myself in my own office and we'll happily put them in contact with any kind of support groups that are out there.
Looking at other issues that are very topical at the moment, I know in a Scorthy Councillor meeting this week, the District Council, I know high on the agenda will be the flood relief scheme where all councillors, I believe, are going to bring forward a motion to try and get this speeded up. Now, you and your fellow Aractus members have come in for criticism for, for lack of getting this across the line. So I'll give you the chance to respond to the criticism. Um, is it fair criticism? Could you be doing more to get this across the line, this uh, finally up and running? No, well, it's currently with Wexford County Council, so it's somewhat, I suppose, bizarre to be criticising the national politicians when it's when I say it's with the local authority at the moment to to make the next step. Um, the, look, the history of this is the funding has been put in place at a national level for a considerable amount of time. It was put in place actually when my dad was still a TD. It was resecured when by Paul Kyo and resecured again by this government. So the go- consistent governments have been very supportive of this project and put the funding in place. An application was made by Wexford County Council via the OPW to the Department of Public Expenditure Reform last year. Um, an independent review did a legal assessment of the proposal. It found the proposal was fundamentally flawed and that it couldn't be rescued. So I think one of your uh, callers last week was saying that you know further information could be sought. You can only seek further information where it's believed that clarification would actually resolve the concerns of the independent reviewer. But there is the view that it was it, it simply couldn't be saved. It, it simply was... Um, and the proceed will be in breach of EU law in, in terms of EU directives. So that was the advice given to Minister McGrath at the time. He simply had no choice. I mean, in fairness to Michael McGrath, having been told by independent legal assessors that it would be illegal to, in effect, to proceed with the project as designed, I mean, a minister couldn't then over, act illegally, if you like. So he, he simply had no choice in the circumstances. So from, our, from the national politician's perspective, the funding is there. We want to see it happen. It's back in the hands of Wexford County Council. I know they're working very hard at the moment to put uh, an application uh, back in, if you like, that they are confident will meet the criteria. It does need to be done, right? So they're taking a little bit of time to ensure that it's done right. They have options. Minister Michael McGrath at the time gave Wexford County Council, if you like, an alternative option to separate out the new bridge which would have to be built first anyway because you couldn't take apart if you like the key area and the rafter bridge without putting in the new bridge first so doing it effectively on a phase basis and that's part of the consideration that's been made now by um, Wexford County Council and their consultants on the project right. McDonald's con- uh, um, consultants but uh, as I said the, the ball if you like is back in Wexford County Council's court at the moment I think this kind of political blame game it doesn't achieve anything I, I was very disappointed um, you know uh, when when Minister McGrath effectively was told it would be illegal to proceed that it became a political football at that time and a kind of a blame game it, that doesn't help anybody to be honest with you mm. what we need to do is to get a revised application in as quickly as possible that it but that meets the criteria and get on with the project but from the government's perspective and the national politicians perspective i mean we've put some funding in place and we've put options right. in place as well this is where we go from here so if you're listening if you're on the island road or one of the business community who has been flooded by this down through the last number of years uh, i mean realistically when do you think this is actually going to be put into place minister what I need is Wexford County Council to put a new application in and the application has to meet the, the criteria under environmental law and then as soon as that is happens it will be approved but I, I, that's a timeline unfortunately I don't control I mean I've been down on the island road many a time at those floods we all want to see this happen and this is not a question of political will here by, by national politicians or local politicians so 
that's why I'd be critical in this case of kind of trying, people trying to turn into a political football. This is, um, a, a, you know, one of the largest flood schemes in Europe. It's it's going to cost a phenomenal amount of money. The funding is, is secure there, and we just need to get it done now and get it done right, but get it done as quickly as possible as well. But the, the, the political support there is, is right across the board for this project. It's just met a series of uh, unfortunate, I think, uh, events. And, not, and again, not to anybody not wanting to do their best i think either it's just um it's been a, it's a challenging project as i say and one of the most difficult environmental flood relief schemes you'll find anywhere in europe well that's going to be discussed at the council meeting the district council meeting so it'll be interesting what emerges from that when it takes place uh, this week and um, the latest on the hospital we heard from independent deputy verona murphy the 97 bed unit that we are looking forward for uh, to uh, apparently when you take out uh, old beds that have to be removed we will actually get 44 new beds and uh, the rest 53 will replace old beds although they will be state of the art a lot of people were very surprised by that because they thought the 97 bed unit would be 97 new beds can can you update us on that and your view on this yeah, so the additional beds will bring Wexford General Hospital up closer to 300 beds in total, um, about exact number, and that will make it one of the largest general hospitals in the country. It will be, uh, as you say, an extra 45 beds and then replacing some of the beds that are there currently. Now, what you're doing, as you know, Alan, I'm very familiar with Wexford General Hospital, so are you. There's a lot of the old um, Nightingale wards there where you have eight beds in a single room, you know, with a curtain separating people. There's no privacy. It's very difficult for infection control. So what they, some of those will be closed and replaced with brand new bedrooms in the new uh, hospital ward block. These will be individual bedrooms, en suite, state-of-the-art, and what it will do is secure Wexford General Hospital's future as well by providing these state-of-the-art bedrooms. So roughly half will be additional bedrooms, roughly half uh, are replacing the, the old um, Nightingale wards and giving Wexford state-of-the-art uh, bedrooms for the hospital going into the future as well. So, well, and overall, I think the, the cost of it, you're looking at probably around 50 or 60 million euros, and that would be the largest investment mm-hmm. in Wexford since the hospital was opened in the early 90s. So it's a massive, massive vote of confidence in the hospital to see this happening. Where are we with this at the moment? I mean, can it be fast-tracked? We've heard from Deputy Howland, we've heard from Deputy Verona Murphy. Where are we with this? Can this be fast-tracked? So where we are, as you know, um, when this government was formed, the um, the HSC capital plan actually didn't have anything in it for this ward block, um, which was, I think, very unfortunate. It's been since... In there, it's gone to design stage. Architects have been appointed. Detailed design is now completed and it's ready to move to the next phase and that would be planning. What Minister Stephen Donnelly is looking at and talking to the Attorney General is to see can a, a national emergency be declared that would be in compliance with the Constitution and that we could actually bypass the planning phase. Now, the planning phase would save you maybe four or five months if you could bypass that and that would speed it speed it up. You would still have to go to tender for the project and the project would still have to be obviously built. But it would save, I think, an important period of time that can be done. I think Stephen, is, uh, I was talking to him only last week, very close, I think, and expected to be able to make an announcement of that in the next couple of weeks as to whether the Attorney General is satisfied that you can actually skip the planning phase. Now, remember, skipping the planning phase is not simply a political 
decision of deciding whether something is or not as an emergency. It has to be able to apply it across the country, but it's within the terms of the Constitution because when you skip planning, you're effectively saying to the general public, your rights under the Constitution to question or challenge or object or get amended uh, on a planning uh, is effectively being bypassed because of, of an emergency situation. Now, I personally believe, you know, that does need to happen here in the case of Wexford General Hospital. But as it's the, but what you don't want to happen is for um, that decision to be made and then someone to go off to the courts and challenge it and we lose, you know, in, in an attempt to save four or six months, we end up losing one or two years in the right. courts. I mean, that's the last thing any of us want. So I, I think in fairness to Stephen and the Attorney General, they need to take that extra week or two to get this decision right because, as I said, the concept's getting it wrong actually could be even further delays. But this has been moving as quick as possible in the last couple of years. There's no question about that and we want to see it now. Okay. Uh, we want to see shovels in the ground and that's what expect to see and right. in this government I will say this I mean already during COVID uh, we built an, an extension to the emergency department in Wexford General Hospital the repair work that's been carried out to the hospital as a result of the fire um, under the, 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 the wonderful management of Linda O'Leary is happening as quickly as possible as well and I was talking to Linda and she's confirmed that she has no question around the HSE in terms of the level of support she couldn't ask for anymore and that we are building back better there to ensure what happened can't happen again so real confidence in the hospital there and and work is proceeding as quickly as possible have people been misled Uh, do you think that they have been misled have you misled them that there was 97 beds coming when in fact it's 44 no well it is 97 beds that are coming this is a brand new state-of-the-art ward block which is but it's 44 new ones it's forty-four. No, it's it's ninety. It's ninety-seven new ones. It's um, about forty-five additional ones to increase the overall capacity of the hospital. The other bedrooms are replacing the old Nightingale wards, which really are not fit for purpose anymore. And as I say, this is the largest investment in Wexford General Hospital since the hospital was built. As you recall, yeah. the hospital was planned, developed, built and opened under a Fianna Fáil government in the early 90s. And this will be the biggest investment in the hospital since then. So I think we have to be careful not to turn this into a, a negative either. This secures the future of Wexford General Hospital. It's a massive vote of confidence in the hospital. It is 97 new beds. It's a significant increase in capacity to make it one of the biggest general hospitals in the country and replacing uh, some of those beds, replacing then the old unfit for purpose Nightingale Wars. I think we need to move on by the way. I think the next government, when they come in, I want to see this built in this lifetime of this government. I believe it will be. And I think the next government then needs to add on again because the population of Wexford is growing, that hospital uh, population is growing, and the need is growing as well. So I, I see this as the first phase of uh, of uh, additional work that's needed for Wexford General Hospital and, and putting the hospital back on, on the right track because it, it, we hadn't seen improvements in the hospital for several years there and putting back into place uh, the, the improvements that are needed along with getting the MRI done in the lifetime of this government and as I say the extension emergency department that okay. has already been done there and I'm working on a number of other projects with the HSC. The developments of the 1798 centre what is happening here? Yeah so We've secured government funding for 1798 Centre. As you know, Alan, we're very proud of our 1798 heritage in County Wexford. 
and a, and a republic of Wexford that was established back in 1798 and inspired by what happened in France and and uh, their revolution at the time. And we've you know Father Murphy and Boule of Vogue. So we've secured 215,000 euros from the government. This year is the 225th anniversary of the 1798 revolution. 75,000 euros was secured from Captain Martin for anniversary events across the county and 100,000 euros to upgrade the 1798 centre and I understand the county council uh, will be using that funding to upgrade the experience within the hospital for more, or sorry, in the 1798 centre for more modern um, facilities in terms of sound and cameras and interactivity and 40,000 euros for the Farda Murphy Boulevard centre as well so it can carry out uh, upgrade works because a lot of works haven't happened since 1998 and 200 anniversary and Daryl O'Brien, Minister Daryl O'Brien provided a capital funding of 140,000 euros towards uh, the 98 centre, the Buddha Vogue Centre, and we look forward to um, an enjoyable summer remembering our history of what happened in 1798, and you know we always have the long stay up on Vinegar Hill as well to remember. Southeast Radio's morning mix: chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran.